we'll go ahead and play this video. This video is similar to the, it's the, it's a, it's, I think it's just five minutes, but when I picked that video that we watched the last time for the Bible project, it started talking about lady wisdom. So I, at the time, I was only in like the first couple chapters of Proverbs, kind of reading and, and getting a grasp for what was going on. And uh, I didn't see anything about lady wisdom. And I thought, I don't know what's going on here because I thought this letter was written in the form of like a letter to a, a father writing to a son or speaking to a son. And then this video started talking about Lady Wisdom and I started doubting the Bible project. I was like, this is not a reliable source. But Lady Wisdom comes up in chapter 3. So uh, this, if I pick the right video, I don't really even know that I did that. But either way, God's going to use it for His good. So let's watch this video. <laughs> there are three books in the Bible that have come to be called the wisdom literature. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And all these books are addressing the same set of questions. What kind of world are we living in? And what does it look like to live well in this world? So how to be good at life. Yeah. So each of these books tackles these questions from a unique perspective. And it's important to understand all of them to get a fully biblical perspective on the good life. So as a thought experiment, you could actually imagine each of these books as a person. So Proverbs would be like this brilliant young teacher, and Ecclesiastes the sharp middle-aged critic, and Job would be this weathered old man who's seen a lot in his day. We're going to start by meeting the book of Proverbs, the brilliant young teacher. And she's not just smart, she's smart about everything, work, relationships, sex, spirituality. She has incredible insights, things you wouldn't see on your own. Yeah, she would be the perfect friend to have around when you need really specific advice. So what makes her so smart? Well, Proverbs can see things that most people don't see. She believes that there's an invisible creative force in the universe that can guide people in how they should live. And you can't see it, just like you can't see gravity, but it affects everything that we do. So what's this force? Well, in Hebrew, it's called chokhmah. And it usually gets translated into English as wisdom. It's an attribute of God that God used to create the world. And Hokma has been woven into the fabric of things and how they work. So wherever people are making good or just or wise decisions, they're tapping into Hokma. And whenever someone's making a bad decision, they're working against Hokma. Right, or as it says in Proverbs chapter 1, the waywardness of fools will destroy them. But the one who listens to wisdom lives in security. So it's like a moral law of the universe. Yeah, it's a cause-effect pattern, and no one can escape. And Proverbs personifies all of this as a woman. Yeah, Lady Wisdom. Right, and she roams around the earth, calling out, making herself available to anyone who's willing to listen to her and to learn. Which leads to the second thing Proverbs believes that anyone can access and interact with wisdom and use it to make a beautiful life for yourself or for others. You can create with it like a designer. Yes, in fact, chokhmah in Hebrew isn't simply intellectual knowledge. The word is also used to describe a skilled artisan who excels at their craft, like woodworking or stonemasoning. So you show you possess chokhmah when you put it to work and develop the skill of making a good life. Okay, that makes sense. So let's do this. Let's go find some wisdom. But before you do, Proverbs has one more really important thing to consider. Chokmah isn't some impersonal force. It's an attribute of God himself. And so in Hebrew thought, your journey to becoming wise has to begin with what Proverbs calls the 
fear of the Lord. It's this healthy respect for God's definition of good and evil. And true wisdom means learning those boundary lines and not crossing them. Now, all those ideas you just unpacked are in chapters 1 through 9 in Proverbs. But when I think of the book of Proverbs, I think of the collection of sayings, the Proverbs themselves. Tell me about those. Yeah, those are what you find in chapters 10 on to the end of the book. It's a collection of hundreds and hundreds of Proverbs about any and all aspects of life. And Chokhmah gets applied to them, resulting in this wise guidance to help you find a path towards success and no matter what you do. If I design my life with these sayings, life is going to be good. Yeah, or as Proverbs puts it, it'll give health to your bones, prosperity, a long, rich life. Which is a really big claim. But you can see, it's often the case. Wise people, they tend to do better. Things usually work out well for them in life. And so that is the promise and the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is really beautiful. But if we take a step back, some people would argue it's a little too simplistic. Because sometimes horrible things happen to really wise people, and sometimes foolish people get rewarded. It doesn't always work the way we think it should work. That's right. Which is why we need to go and listen to our next wise friend, Ecclesiastes the Critic. Because he's wrestled with that very problem, and he's going to push us further in our journey to find the good life. Hey, you guys. Thank you for watching The Bible Project. You can, you can turn that off. Thank you. Sorry. Um... Remember in that last video that it said that Proverbs, what did it say? Jamie, I know you called it Proverbs is a, a probability, not a promise. I think it said just because we walk the way that God tells us doesn't mean that everything is always going to go right or well. Uh, it's a probability. So if we live wise and we avoid pitfalls of life and we avoid sin, most likely things will go well for us, but they might not. And that's just the facts. So um, tonight might be a little different. I have some things outlined, but a lot of this, we're still, so we're in chapter three, Proverbs chapter three, and a lot of it is still just about uh, general wisdom statements of how, uh, you know, this father's still speaking to his son. And then in, uh, I think, I think in verses, maybe at about 13, he starts talking about uh, wisdom in the in the female tent. She is more precious than jewels. So I think that's where this lady wisdom uh, stuff kicks in. So uh, we're going to read chapter 3. And I have some questions here, and that might take up some time. Or it might take up all our time. And if not, we're just going to kind of read through chapter 4. Also, and if questions come up in your mind because of our reading, just stop me in my tracks. So let's kind of, as we read together, let's generate, I do have questions and I have guidance, but if something comes up in your mind or something hits you, just, just stop me. Let me read all the way through for the first time and then we'll, and then we'll start again uh, back at verse one. So chapter three, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on a tablet of your heart. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. 
in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. I'm on. I'm in chapter three, verse uh, seven. Until I'm not. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him who he loves, whom he loves, as a father the son in whom he delights. Sometimes I get the Bible's not written in the way that I speak. And you all know this, but like sometimes I catch myself skipping words because it just doesn't come natural to me. So I always, Mark and Elizabeth always laugh because I always go back and uh, fix it. Or most of the time I do. I hope I do anyways. Okay, verse 13. This is when uh, wisdom becomes a lady, apparently. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by His wisdom founded the earth by understanding. He established the heavens. By His knowledge, the deeps broke open. And the clouds drop down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep you your foot will keep your foot from being caught do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it do not say to your neighbor go and come again tomorrow i will give it when you have it with you do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. I don't know if we're going to get through all that. Okay, let's see here. So I have written, Remember, Proverbs are written in the style of a, a letter from a father to a son. In verse 2, which says, For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Now, that's the part where uh, Proverbs is not... He said promise in this video. That's what's throwing me off. But Proverbs are a probability. Just because we're following God doesn't mean that our life is going to be super, super long and prosperous. It might end abruptly. We don't know. But wisdom creates a probability of good in our lives and uh, that's good news if we seek wisdom godly wisdom then most likely the probability is that we will live long and peaceful lives
<laughs> when the hard times do come, then we have that peace of knowing that He's going to be with us to get us through it. Yep. Yep. The more we understand. And the more you understand and the more you, you feel drips of that peace, then when things get worse, if they do, it's like, oh, I felt this before. Like things are burning, things are on fire around me, but I'm not going to get burned by this, you know? And that's good news. I have written here, verse number four is a byproduct of verse number three. So let's read them both. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So you will find favor and good success if you do not forsake steadfast love and faithfulness. So we are to love each other. We are to be faithful to each other. We are to, be, we are to love God and be faithful to God. And we will find favor and good success uh, in the sight of God and man because of that. Question number one of the evening comes from verse five. Barb, read verse five to me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And my question is, in what points in your life has this been difficult to comprehend? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Have you ever been through a time where you don't understand what's going on? but you chose to trust in the Lord anyways. Does anybody have any personal examples of that that they would like to share? I would say I have that now. Um, I have my children. I have not understanding certain paths they're taking, you know, how things have come out to be. But I have just got to lean on God and just let that go. Mm-hmm. Hi, Dale. Hello. <laughs> My boy is back. That's good. I won't ask you any questions, though. You need to heal up so I don't have to close the service Sunday. <laughs> I say mine was when Bethany had her car accident that first couple of days when it was touch and go and not knowing what direction, you know, if she was going to stay with us or if, you know, she was going to go on. Um, and you know, and not and having that, but then I also had, and it was weird because sometimes I feel bad because I wasn't like this hysterical mom. I I had that sense of peace from God that He was going to take care of her no matter which way it went. Um, but just keeping him that faith and trusting Him that He was going to see her through um, through those first couple of days. Mm-hmm. And look at her now. Doing great. Driving Noah nuts. <laughs> Troy, we're in Proverbs chapter 3, right. verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And the question is, in what points of your life has it been? Di- has this been difficult to comprehend? Where you, you don't understand what's going on, but you trust in God anyways or you're trying to. I'm not asking you to answer. I'm just catching you up. Thank you. <laughs> For me, it's uh, when I walked away from uh, from the family business. I didn't know exactly. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a plan, but I knew that that wasn't the plan. And when I, the minute I knew that that wasn't the plan, I quit. And everybody says, "Don't quit a job without a job." But uh, 
I just couldn't show up. I couldn't do it anymore because uh, I, I just knew it wasn't. I don't know. I wasn't putting effort. I wasn't going to be putting effort in the way I needed to. There's a lot on the line, and it doesn't do anybody any good when people show up and their heart's not in something. So I didn't know what was going to unfold over the next five years or however long it took to end up here. But uh, that was probably the first time that I really had to. It's the first time I ever even probably put a lot of practical trust in the Lord. Like, God, I'm, I'm doing this because I think you have something different for me. Uh, I don't know what that is, but I know it's not this, so don't let me starve to death. <laughs> How long after that was before you found out we had interest in you? How long after leaving? Like five years. I quit. I left that company a long time ago. Yeah, I had like three or four jobs in between all that. And each one of each. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. That would have been like, uh, I was saved in 16 or 7. I think January of 2017, I was baptized. I just remember that, that time frame. So late 2016 and then I would have and then I went on a mission trip that made a lot of sense to me and spiritual for, for like uh, it gave me a lot of traction and I came home from that I came home from that trip and quit <laughs> and I don't I don't remember exactly when that was it would have been like 2018 because I was working I was left there and went and worked for an uncle of mine in 2019 because that's when COVID all happened and I remember I was working there when that happened and then I went and I left there and went back to the family business because they were working up here and I thought well maybe I didn't I, that wasn't a long-term plan but it got me up here and I thought maybe we'll you know Heather's family's from here the only reason we were in Springfield was for that job for the business and I said well if we maybe if I go up here and work I can find a job up here Heather wasn't she didn't want to move up here yet so back home I went and worked for a friend of mine for two years and then and then we worked together at the pet spa for six months without killing each other and then uh, and then I ended up here so it was a long and arduous journey yep yep anybody else have any of that I think for me, it was when my mother was in, she had a, she had five bypasses, and then had a major stroke within 24 hours that left her under a requiring 24-hour nursing care. She lived that way for nine and a half years. Oh, wow. And it was like, why? You know, but in the long run, I knew why. My younger sister professor faith after my mother. Oh, really? So, again, wasn't something I understood. Mm-hmm. Paula, what were you going to say? I think of it in a very wide term when we think of that verse. Is there going to be so many things that we encounter in this earth? Disease, instability, and homes evil that we can't even comprehend. And 
it's it's a verse like this that you think, why does this exist? Why why is this happening? Why why is it like this? And and you just you just have to stop and not worry about trying to work it all out in your own mind and just let it rest in God's plan and and try to be cooperative with that plan. Because we're going to encounter that question hundreds of times. You know, you see people suffer in unimaginable ways or whatever. And you just have to be in cooperation with God's plan so you can see it all worked out. And you really does. Patience. Yeah, I think about like ever since I went to the Ark Encounter a couple of weeks ago and understood how long it took to build that massive thing and also how long that Noah lived his life on earth, 900 years or so, that just sounds absolutely miserable. I've thought like okay, I can't do much of anything for 75 minutes. And that 75 years is a is an estimation, I think. But I nothing holds my attention for very long at all. And I think I wouldn't have the endurance to build that for 75 years, you know? You would married for 875 years. Oh, man, that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you think... Uh, like, there had to have been times where he was like, what are we doing? We're building this boat and gathering up all these animals for all this time. And then it's and then it started raining for the first time ever. And he was like, oh, OK. Yeah, that's why we're doing that. <laughs> you know, it had to be. Uh, he had to trust in the Lord with all his heart and not lean on his own understanding, I'm sure. And how much more difficult was it for him? Uh, even though he heard directly from God, you know, to do that, but uh, the endurance that it would have taken to do that. And all of that created so many questions at that arc. I'm getting off, off the topic, but like people would have had to have aged differently at that time, right? Because what's a 900-year-old look like? Dust particles? <laughs> Just created a lot of questions. The world's not knowledgeable enough to really know that Israel and the Jews are God's chosen people, so it's not a question for them, but I don't understand how his people have been treated so bad for so long yeah. to this very day. Yeah. I mean, you go back to Hitler's days and the way it is now, is, why has his chosen people gone through so much? Well, it says that we'll be hated by the world also. Well, Christians, yeah. Yeah, but you mean specifically Israel? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, verse number six is great for times when you have doubts. What does it say? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Question number, I'm going to skip a few verses here. Uh, analyze verses 11 and 12, my question says. Somebody read 11 and 12 for us. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, which is the father of the son, in whom he delights. Uh, I have a note here. I guess it's not a question. I didn't make it a question. Uh, i got to read it again. Sorry. My son, do not despise the Lord, just come, or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him. So discipline from the Lord 
often, I think, feels like or is conviction. So we feel con- for certain sin or certain activities, we'll feel convicted. Well, that is the Lord trying to sh- take things from us, take our wretched human desires from us. Um, and this is how He corrects us. So the verses say, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of His reproof. So when we start to feel conviction of sin... Like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this thing that I shouldn't be doing, uh, and I know I shouldn't be doing it. That's God saying, hey, I want you to live wisely. I want you to follow the outline of the way I want you to live. And this is a good thing. This is not, uh, it's not a time for us to get bogged down in guilt and shame. It's a time, you know, we're supposed to go on and sin no more. Get rid of that. And it's easier said than done. I know this in my own life, but... uh, Conviction of sin is a thing of health to get read. It's like for the first time, maybe, oh, maybe I shouldn't uh, talk to this person this way. Or maybe I should open my mouth and say this to, uh, I'm not picking on you, Bev, but maybe I need to, maybe you, maybe not you specifically, what your situation just made me think. Maybe I need to share this with this family member and it will redirect their path, you know. those are healthy things, but you got to do with that one in particular. You got to do it in a very loving way. But conviction of sin, as it relates to discipline from the Lord, is a good thing. So it says, "Don't be weary of His reproof, for the Lord reproves Him whom He loves, as a father the son in whom He delights." So if you think about your own children. If they're running out in the street, you might aggressively yell at them. I yell at mine. Joy probably yells at hers from time to time. And that is a thing of love. We don't want our children to get hit by a car. Now, they might cry because of our aggression, and we hurt their feelings from time to time, but, but it's not because we don't love them. It's because we do love them, and I think that's what these verses mean here. So, moving on to verse number 13. Solomon begins to reference wisdom as a woman. Says she is... Uh, let's see here. Uh, where does it say it? Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. Does King James say her and she and all that? Wrong? Yeah. Okay. So wherever you see she, Solomon means wisdom. I have a question in verse 15. Nothing you desire can compare to godly wisdom. Let me read 15. She is more precious than jewels. So wisdom is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. Her. Um, Nothing you desire can compare to godly wisdom. Do you believe this to be true? Nothing you desire can compare to godly wisdom. Do you believe this to be true and how so? I have an example, but I'm going to wait on you all to share. Wouldn't keep you out of trouble, that's for sure. I think about the book of, uh, just to give you a hint to my answer, I think about the book of Ecclesiastes. If anybody, I love the book of Ecclesiastes. I, I don't know that you should love such a depressing book of the Bible, but uh, it's not that depressing. It basically just says that there's really nothing good in this world. Everything is empty. Everything is vanity. And then there's, there's, I don't know how many chapters there are in the book, a handful, 10, 
eight, nine, I don't know. But the whole book is like, what is the purpose of all this mess? You know, and then the last line says, to summarize the whole book, you know, he says, uh, verses 13 and 14, the final of chapter 12 says, and this is in Ecclesiastes, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So the whole purpose of the book is to say that the world is vanity. Most of our desires are sinful. You know, we want this, we want that. We want this pleasure for ourselves. We want all of these things. And none of that stuff really satisfies. Uh, so follow God because He's the one that that really provides. He's the one that gives you wisdom. He's the one that gives you peace. Uh, so pursue the things that He that He has for you. So if we're able to see godly wisdom that way, I think you have to get to a pretty dark place to realize that, uh, that everything is vanity as, the, as Ecclesiastes says. But I guess I've gotten to that place before where everything, it just seems like a you're chasing jobs and you're chasing new this, new that, and all of it. And then you get the new thing. You get the job and you're like, oh, this doesn't fulfill every desire I ever had like I thought it would. That builds, that has built my faith more than anything. Just you see the shiny new thing and then you get it and then you realize, oh, this shiny new thing gets dirty just like everything else and rust and falls apart. I've got a truck over there getting... Uh, I got to be repaired for lots of money right now, unfortunately. Um, so all these things are vanity, just complete vanity. But God is—he uh, is the good that He's about the only good. We have good relationships on this earth, but God is the only one uh, that really sustains us. So that was sort of my. That was sort of my example that I've been through times where I chase certain things to fulfill my my desires because ver remember verse 15 says nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. It says her, but I threw wisdom in. So I do believe that. I believe that nothing that uh, wisdom is more precious than jewels. Godly wisdom is uh, more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. I do believe that. Can I have a nerd moment? Please do. So I think it's interesting that in uh, ancient cultures, that wisdom was typically uh, portrayed as a woman. And like he, just for example, in Greek mythology. It's because men are stupid. I'm not saying I don't think that. <laughs> I don't like to be a man basher. I've got four sons. So <laughs> um, anyway, but but Athena was the Greek goddess of wisdom, and and. There are other cultures where they, it's always, you know, as a woman, I always just kind of picture this sweet, humble old lady sitting on a porch who people just are attracted to because she's lived her life, she's done a good job. They kind of, they kind of showed her as a young, and then at the end they showed kind of that, that old woman, but even in Native American, um, their mythology and stuff, it's displayed as a woman. I, did, I just thought that that's sort of an interesting characteristic. And I wonder why ancient cultures in general feminize wisdom. Just a nerd. Sorry, I had to go no, to the no, just kind of, just kind of popped in my head.
why, you know, it, it, wisdom is being referred to as a woman, when back in the biblical days, women were considered less than. They weren't really looked upon as somebody, you know, they were just an object. They didn't have much meaning. Um, Probably not to Solomon, though. The writer. I mean, he had how many billion wives? He had a lot. I mean, but I'm, I'm thinking for him. He had an extreme love for women. <laughs> yeah. I think his was more about objectification. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, you know, it's like it's it's such a dichotomy. Why is women not you know being put up on this pedestal? Of being, no, no, no. I don't want. Well, no, not not up on a pedestal, but like having you know like it being referred to as. You know, the godly, having godly wisdom and being, having that kind of sanctification when in those days they were looked as as a lowly object instead of something that was being preserved from from God. Yeah, and and we see it here in the, the Hebrew culture too, so it's, it's just, you know, it's kind of fascinating to me. That's interesting, I don't know to And it's okay, I'm okay with yeah. Not knowing nothing. Um, that's good because I wasn't. So, yeah. So good. Me too. Simple life. 19 and 20 say that the Lord by by wisdom founded the earth, by understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. And I have written here the Lord in his wisdom created all things, and he has chosen to share his wisdom with us. Would somebody read verses 21 through 27, please? My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. And you lie down and do not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down, and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror nor trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. So as it relates to verse number 27, which says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. The ESV says, My question is, what are a few ways we can show people good? good. So think about the verse. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. Just in your daily life, at work, you have good in you. If you have Christ in you, you have good in you. How can you, what can you do just on a, I'm not talking about like, let's, let's feed the 5,000. I'm talking about how can you, how can you show good to Susie at work? Or uh, just people in your daily life. I think we had a really good example this week. We had a, a young girl who ended up losing her baby, but I'm sorry to say sad. But anyway, she was from um, Guatemala. Guatemala um, was raped on the way here, and that's where the baby came from. But um, she had no clothes, and she's only 16, so. We were actually, we had like a, a place in the hospital to get clothes, but it was like late in the evening and we couldn't figure out who had the key, you know, all that stuff went on. But she actually went to the ER when she first came to the hospital. And one of the nurses there said, you know what, give her my coat. I've just worn it a couple times and she can have it. 
So between that, people just can't give me a permit. You know, because they can do something like that just to make sure she has something to get home. So she was a patient at the hospital. Yeah, that's awful. Of course, unfortunately, we're seeing things like that, but um, some other things are going on. But, but she needed that. That was just someone saying, hey, just give her this. You know, I don't need this coat. It's a nice coat, you know. But just telling them this is someone's heart, you know. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? Thank you, Beth. When back in those days, when you heart somebody working the field, you paid them that day. Oh, you get the people thought it was they had to come back to it and you pay them when it was due to them. Yeah. And then you drive them out the water. I think another thing we can do in our daily walk is, is you know, be, uh, be aware of our surroundings and people around us and just, you know, Say just say something up with something kind to somebody can go a long way. You know, we don't know what they face that day or, or what's on their mind, and just a simple act of a smile and a kindness, and uh, you know, a few simple words can really lift somebody's spirit. Yeah, that's where my head was at. I think we live in. I'm only 33 years old. I haven't lived very long, but I think we live in a unique time, like in this country especially that everybody this word is going to sound negative everybody is very sensitive and i think everybody is very sensitive because we don't have deep connections with people like we probably did 50 years ago or 75 years ago or 10 years ago 20 years ago so when somebody says something to us we get like we can get like so uh worked up about it when we believers can can encourage people in a way that maybe they're not being encouraged at home like hey just a simple hey you're doing a great job today i really like how attentive you are to that patient or whatever you know i think just more than ever just a simple kind sequence of sentences could really change somebody's day or life potentially if the verse says, uh, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, well, everybody's due a little bit of good, you know, if, if especially from a believer, like we can lift somebody up somehow. Uh, so we need to be doing that. I think, I think we need to be doing that. I hope you all do too. <clears throat> 29 through 32 is a warning against uh, doing evil against people. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. I don't have any questions about that. Um... 33 through 35 is a call to wisdom, a call to be on God's team. And uh, I have written here, remember wisdom is with God and foolishness is against God. So remember in the first week, maybe we talked about the wise were all in with God. Simple were half in and half out and the fool is disregarding God. So remember that wisdom is with God and foolishness is against God. Uh, 
I'll read to the end. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but He blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners He is scornful, but to the humble He gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. Okay. Chapter 4. Does anybody have any questions about any of that? I didn't... I. Again, this it seems like we're just beating wisdom to death, so it's hard to create a whole lot of questions. Wisdom is something that we need, but uh, I had a hard time generating a whole lot of questions on this. I really... Chapter 4 is sort of the same, and then chapter 5 and many chapters after it talk about adultery. I feel like I talk a lot about adultery, but it's I'm just it's just where I land, so... It's not me bringing it up. It's God, I guess. Y'all going to get to hear more about adultery. But uh, let's get. Let, I'll read through chapter four, and then we'll we'll. Uh, if there's any, th- let's do this. If there's any, if something jumps out at you, just just uh, feel free to stop me. I'll read slow, and let, as we do this, let's let's not make this a, a time of just speed reading. I'm, I'll, sl- I'll I'll try to do my best to slow down, so that we can really focus on the words. I think I t- I've taken this spiritual disciplines class before, and uh, Don Whitney is the professor, and he says sometimes we neglect the reading of the word, and we just sort of just blast through it, and we kind of uh, zone out. So as we read uh, in in these room in these times together and stuff, try to really focus. I know it's hard sometimes, especially. It's really hard to focus when you're the one reading because I'm so focused on being loud enough and all that. But just really try to meditate on what we're reading and, and hopefully we'll pull something out of it. Chapter 4. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in sight in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. So remember, she is wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her tightly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place your head a graceful garland. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not in the way of the evil, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. 
My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. To me, what stood out was how many warnings he had to listen. I feel like I'm t- when I talk to my two boys, I have to say things over and over and over. And Solomon must have thought the same thing because he says, the very first verse, Hear, O sons, a, father in- a father's instructions. And then... Uh, it's just, it's just, it's so repetitive, and I think, I think that's because we have to hear something a whole lot of times before it makes a whole lot of sense. I've heard that people, I don't know where this statistic is gathered, but I've heard that people have to hear the normal number for people to hear the gospel and receive it is like seven times, and I don't know where that comes from, but uh, I've heard it multiple times and like i think we just for things to really make sense to us uh i think we have to hear it often and i I don't think wisdom is unique in that but so there's probably a reason that this feels repetitive so that it will finally sink into our our thick human skulls but did anybody have anything that stood out in that large chunk of scripture i'm not going to get into the warning against adultery in chapter five until next week fortunately I don't want to talk about that right now. I do think when we're in uh, people's presence, you, you can tell someone's got wisdom. Uh, you talk to them. I don't mean wisdom about worldly things. I'm talking about God's wisdom, you know, how to act and, and uh, you know, things to say, the right things to say at the right time. You know, that's wisdom. You know, they're not talking to be talking. Uh, they're bringing value to you or situation, and, and that can be from you know uh, any any walk part of our walk in life. You know, from reprimanding someone or to commending someone or sharing with someone you know a situation you've been in or you know of that will give them uh, a peace of mind they may be looking for. So I think wisdom, I mean, I, I think for all of us, you know, talk to people, come in contact with somebody, and every day your conversation, you, walk, you, know, you kind of walk away, and think, you know, that was some real wisdom that was shared with me. Yeah. I think it was Tim Keller said, uh, and Tim Keller just died recently, but he said that uh, gentleness is a true mark of a Christian. And I think a lot... Uh, as, as Paul was talking about, a woman, like the woman being a representative of wisdom, that doesn't mean that a man can't be. But in this example, uh, I was just thinking about women. Like women, it, the Greek word, I think, for gentleness is meek. Like meek and gentleness, remember, uh, meekness means to be controlled, to be able to be controlled, like a, like a bit in a horse's mouth. And uh, I think that women in general tend to have more of that more meekness like most of the men that i've been around in my life are a lot more abrasive than than uh these are these are all these are generalities but 
the men that I've known have been abrasive and loud and they're going to tell you what you think. And then women are just more reserved. So maybe, maybe that's just been true for all of humanity. I don't know. But uh, I think there's a lot of, I think Tim Keller's onto something when he says that gentleness is a large mark for, for uh, genuine Christianity because it takes a lot of, it takes a whole lot of wisdom to be gentle in situations like when, when the world's on fire and people are acting a fool and to correct somebody in that, to share wisdom with somebody in that, you must be quite gentle because people might slap you. You've got something to say because your mouth's open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about, there's a saying people love to say, hey, tell it like it is. And, and, and usually do, they just mean the person's open and honest and direct. But sometimes... Telling it like that, it just means spouting off your opinion. Yeah. So everybody can hear what you got to think. And I was thinking about wisdom. Wisdom tells you you might have something you want to say. You might even be right, but just it's the time to be quiet. Mm-hmm. And I think as you grow and you try to get closer to God, sometimes you 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 learn that telling it like it is, control that a little bit, and and just let your silence speak more so than about. Yeah, a lot of times being silent, even when you have an opinion, even when it's in reference to godly things or godly conversations. Uh, I had something happen just a couple of days ago uh, where I wanted to say something and I didn't have the right answer. So I just hit the pause button and stayed silent until I developed a, a more, I don't know, uh, grounded, wise answer. And then go... You, you're welcome to go back to the person and, you know, you don't have to say everything right now. Like, we don't have to just spit it all out so that we get it over with. We're allowed to hit the pause button and and wait a day. Sleep on it. <laughs> Sleep on it, especially if you, if you know the person. We'll revisit this later. Let me ponder that for a minute before I make myself sound like a buffoon and lead you astray. Or say something when it's it's drawn from anger or hurt or something like that. You just give it, give it some time, let it settle back down. Amen to that.